the NeuroCircle podcast. I am Lori Schertzamudio, registered dietitian and host of this show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Today's guest is a friend of mine, and I was so excited to be able to have her on. Her name is Leela Kelleher, and she is the pattern maker and one half of Muna and Broad, an independent sewing pattern company that centers and empowers large bodies. Her patterns focus on fit and are designed to delight the maker with interesting construction details and techniques. Leela studied fashion production and worked in the custom clothing industry and wardrobe for film and theater before changing careers. She holds a PhD in biomechanics, the science of human movement, and is a professor in biomechanics. I have been wanting to do this interview with Leela for a while. Um, we've talked about it, I think, for the last year. And... I'm so excited to be able to share this with you. We met um, at our place of employment, and I just have to say she's just a super cool human who I just enjoyed spending time with. And I found out during the course of this um, interview that she listened to this podcast, and I knew she did, but I didn't realize she listened to like every episode. Um, so I did get a little like, oh, emotional <laughs> in there for a moment. Um, but it was just really cool to be able to talk to someone that I know really well about the incredible, amazing work um, that her and her partner Jess are doing in the sewing uh, community. It's a, a community that I don't know much about, to be honest, as I have never learned to sew, although I think Leela does, you know, offer to teach me every summer. Um, I think this might be year two or year three in a row of that. Um, and just, you know, really putting herself out there um, and talking about fat positivity and working to create patterns um, that are to scale for larger bodies, which again, I, I having never worked in this area, I didn't know about scaling a pattern so that um, it fits all the proportions of a person's body. Leela is doing very cool, incredible work. And I really hope you take the time to listen um, to what we talked about, as well as into following Leela on Instagram at Leela underscore sews um, and Muna and Broad. All this will be in the show notes um, in case you're walking or driving while you're listening to this. And I, I really think you're going to get something cool and exciting out of this. Um, and I, again, am just so happy to have you here. Um, I know there's lots of podcasts coming out into the world. So I'm just so thankful to have people who continue to listen. If there's any topic or any ideas that you might have or guests, or if you're um, an individual who works in the health at every size, non-diet, eating disorder recovery spaces, and you want to chat about your work, or you want to promote a book that's coming up, uh, just shoot me an email. It's lori at unapologeticallymerd.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Lori Short Zamudio RD. All that is in the show notes as well. Um, and because I'm trying to look for just some, you know, continued ideas, and I want to make sure that people are getting to hear what they want to. But first, just enjoy this conversation with Leela. I enjoyed it so much, and I hope you do as well. Thank you. Hello, Leela. Welcome to the Nurse Circle podcast. Hi, Lori. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I have been an avid listener since episode one. So here I am. Really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, of course. When you told me about <laughs> it, of course I was going to be like, well, I'd better download that podcast. 
Oh, that's so cool. Um, so for those of you listening, Lila and I are friends and I didn't know she listened to the podcast. <laughs> really? Well, I knew that you had mentioned before that like a certain episode or whatever. Um, I didn't realize you'd listened to like the majority, if not all of them. Now I'm a little like, oh, oh, that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the majority, I don't, I don't know. There might've been a little break there um, at the beginning of the pandemic because I wasn't driving to and from work, which is the majority of my podcast listening time. <laughs> so I'm behind on most of my podcasts at this point. Me too. And then you get somewhere and you're like, oh, that happened six months ago. What date am I? <laughs> yes, totally. I'm on. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing so much, although I'm excited not to do the driving to and from work. Um, that too. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so just for listeners, that's where we met. We teach at the same post-secondary institute and our desks are fairly close to each other. Um, and yeah, I just thought Lila was super cool and started talking to her. And now we have many things to talk about all the time. So um, before we start, I like to ask um, guests, and if you listen to the podcast, you know, um, if there's any privileges or identities that you would like to share um, before we get started. Okay. So uh, my name is Leela. My pronouns are she and her. And um, I am a fat Asian woman. Um, yeah. And in terms of privileges, I would say that I have financial and educational privilege. Um, I have a stable job, which is how we met. Yep. <laughs> and um, I got the stable job because I've had the privilege of being able to access um, high er, education. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to add to, I think it would be an identity that Leela is just a badass. I just need to, she's, she's in my universe of badass women. Um, so when we met, it, it's super interesting. And I think that this is kind of relevant because we both teach in uh, the same program, which is not necessarily um, what I would call maybe haze aligned. Yet we've, I have been working in that, in that way. And I think that, you know, you, um, used to ask me some questions and things. And I always thought it was super cool and insightful. And we had some really cool conversations. And then one day you were like, so I've started doing this patterning business <laughs> and talking about um, patterns for sewing. And I don't sew whatsoever, even though you are going to teach me at some point, I know. Um, and, and then it kind of has grown from there. And you, I remember you, you know, sharing with me the Instagram account and then you know, kind of, it's, it wasn't really big and now it's huge. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your company, um, your partner and how all that started. That's a very random vague question, but that's kind of where I'm going right now. Oh, for sure. Um, so I can't remember at what point I told you about it. I was very shy about it at first. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I do lead a bit of a parallel life on Instagram. <laughs> So, um, so just to like rewind a lot of years, um, when I left high school, I went to fashion school first and then I worked, um, professionally in wardrobe and also in fashion, uh, for a while before changing careers completely. But so I have a professional background in training and work experience in, um, fashion and wardrobe 
but I didn't, I went through a long period of my life where I didn't sew for myself. So I probably sewed for myself, like my own clothes until I was in my late twenties. And then I didn't have a sewing machine because I um, moved to a different city. And um, then I moved to North America. I didn't have a sewing machine. Um, And then when my kids were very young, I was mainly sewing for them or sewing very kind of functional things um, like diaper covers, (laughs) (laughs) very unexciting things. And um, anyway, a few years ago, I guess three years ago now, um, I was just, so I'm, um, I'm fat and fat to the point where I can't buy clothes in regular stores. I have to shop at a specialty plus size store, but I do fit into those clothes. Um, but if, if anybody has tried to shop plus size anytime in the last, like ever, <laughs> I probably realized that there is uh, not as much choice in terms of like variety of style in terms of like, if you want to actually have a style that isn't cold shoulder tops and rhinestone t-shirts. Um, and if you like those things, that's totally cool, but they're not for me. And I suppose I got to the point where I was just so frustrated <laughs> with not being able to um, not being able to find clothes that I wanted to wear that I'm just like, fine, I'll just start sewing for myself again, I suppose, <laughs> with mm-hmm. very ill grace. <laughs> and, um, and then I realized that what had happened in the intervening 20 years is that um, independent independent sewing pattern companies had started. So a pattern is basically like the, br- the blueprint um, for you to cut out and sew a garment. Mm-hmm. So every garment will have its own sewing pattern and um, that's created in different sizes um, and with all the... And there's a new one for every single style of garment. Um, So I started to see some designs that I liked from independent pattern companies, um, but then very quickly realized that they also didn't come in my size. So that that was like super frustrating. And eventually I got to the point where I'm just like, fine, fine, fine. I will make my own patterns again. I don't really want to do it, but I suppose I will. (laughs) (laughs) But that's um, basically at that point, that's how frustrated I was with not being able to find clothes that I wanted to wear. And then, um, so I started doing that. And around that time, like I was on Instagram, I just joined Instagram, just realized Instagram because I'm not a millennial. I'm an exennial, I suppose. We're exennials, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I was new to Instagram, but had very um, rapidly found a fantastic um, fat and plus size sewing community and um, realized that I wasn't the only one having these frustrations with not being able to find even sewing patterns in my size. So I was um, a very, very tiny, tiny personal account. Then I probably had like maybe a hundred followers because I was keeping it private from everyone I knew basically because mm-hmm. um you know, I, I think it was like my own internalized fat phobia and being embarrassed about um, not being able to um, find clothes, I think. Um, and also just kind of being a little bit embarrassed about the fact that I was like putting myself out there on the internet. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I was keeping that very, very secret. So literally the only people that followed me were like complete strangers <laughs> at that point. And um, anyway, there were some what I considered like Insta famous um, fat sewists. So sewist is the term that garment sewers tend to use. I actually use the term sewer. Um, I'm not really keen on sewist myself, but sewer is what I use, but a lot of people say sewist. So I'll probably go back and forth. Um, So there were um, some kind of Insta-famous fat sewists on Instagram. And um, one of them is at fat.bobbin.girl. Um, Jess and um, so I reached out to her we were we'd kind of exchanged a few a few back and forths on dms but I said oh you know I've made these this pattern these patterns and I was just you know maybe you want to like release them maybe I don't know and so she was like yes (laughs) yes I do and so it went from there and um, very quickly Mona and Broad was born so um, we are a sewing pattern company that is fat centered. Um, we make sewing patterns. Um, well, the larger bodies, though actually our smallest size is not actually that small. Our smallest size is about a 40 inch bust and a 41.5 inch hip. So is it okay to say numbers here on the podcast? Yes, that okay. I, I believe that's fine in this context. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's about um, yeah, anyway, so that is not large at all. <laughs> um, and then we go up, we have a size range, a typical size range that spans up to a 64-inch bust and a 71.5-inch hip. However, if the person requires clothes that are larger than that, then I will make the patterns larger for them at no extra cost. So that's what we do to be as inclusive of large bodies as we possibly can. Um, because um, folks with large bodies are the people we love and um, the people who are really marginalized in the sewing community and who we um, serve. So that's kind of our, like our little mission. <laughs> we don't have yeah. a proper mission statement, but that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, and as a person who is not a sewer or a sewist, um, I, I had never heard the term sewist. So sewer is where my head was. Um, I'm interested in how you scale um, patterns because I know you had mentioned before that it's just not a matter of just making it bigger. You need to make things on scale. Um, and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what your process is in that. For sure. So the process of changing a garment's size or a sewing pattern size is called grading. And um, so what happens with patterns, all patterns, um, is you start with what you call a sample size. And in the mainstream fashion industry, that's a very small size um, generally. Um, But whatever label brand you have, they determine what their sample size is going to be. And that's meant to be their kind of average customer. Um, So most sewing pattern companies and most fashion companies have that as quite a small size. And then um, from there, you can kind of scale up and scale down in different dimensions. However, there's a limit to how much you can do that because once you keep going in either direction, small or large, um, things get a little bit skewed. So 
um, if you're a fat person, um, then perhaps um, you have encountered the situation where a neckline is so huge that it like falls off your shoulders or like a sleeve is like a foot too long for your arms or they assume that you're like seven feet tall. So all of those things are like grading related errors where they've just continued to scale up a sample size kind of um, continuously, like in a linear kind of way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work out that well normally. <laughs> so um, what we do, um, so for example, like shoulders don't get that much wider as someone gets larger because mm-hmm. the skeleton remains the same. There's a little bit of um, soft tissue that um, might increase in size, but it doesn't increase at the same rate as um a skeleton would increase between say somebody who is like a very small build to somebody who's like a quite an average build um, in terms of their, their actual skeletal size. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't, you know, we see all kinds of different skeletons who um, are, have fat bodies in terms of their soft tissue. Um, so, but it just doesn't keep increasing in width. And the other thing that changes is as we increase in girth, Um, it's not just the width of the person it's also like the depth the kind of front to back depth that changes as well so anyway all of these things change basically the overall shape of a pattern so that it fits a body appropriately so what we do is um, I make my sample size I make it for my size because that's convenient because I can try it on my body Um, and then um, I do some kind of tricks when I'm grading I learn how to grade at Um, college when I went to college but I break all the rules when I grade (laughs) and I do weird things that basically um, create like a new sample size every few sizes Um, so what I try and do and I because I do it myself instead of sending it out to get done Mm -hmm. is I tweak things individually so every single size I go in and I'll like manually (laughs) tweak things to try and optimize them for that size so it's very um it's very unusual. <laughs> it's not the way things are properly done. It's not the way things are usually done, um, but it seems to work pretty well for most but bodies. It, it seems like you're taking the body into consideration, which if you, when I listen to you talk about um, the regular grading, they don't. It's just like, or more like in a logarithm, of this will just continue it this way exponentially. And you're right. You're just because your girth is larger doesn't mean that your arms are now 22 feet long. Like that just doesn't make sense, but you take the body into consideration, which to me is something that if we go back in fashion hundreds of years ago, clothes were tailored to the body. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so kind of to... mass production of fashion didn't happen until the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And um, up until then it was just everything everything was fitted to the individual, which is really what sewing does allow you to do if you want. However, I do believe that sewing for plus sizes and fat people is a completely different exercise than sewing for straight size people. So straight size is what we say when somebody doesn't wear plus size clothing. Um, So someone below a size 18, for example, um, not always, but you know, a lot more of the time, I believe that straight size sewers are sewing by choice. And I think that quite often um, fat and plus size sewers are sewing for necessity. And then, you know, perhaps super fat or infinity fat people are, it is completely necessary because 
clothing is unavailable at their size at an affordable cost um, or at all. So it's, it's a, you know, we believe it's a social justice issue. It's an equity issue. Um, it's an access issue. And so it is very different. Um, and so we really, you know, part of what's been amazing about this whole thing is the community that we've been able to create. And um, I suppose like the empowerment that we've seen people, people have told us <laughs> that they feel more empowered um, because they're in control of what they would like to wear and how it fits and how they can express their style. Whereas like many people have literally never had the chance. Like if you can't, I can't tell if something's going to look good on me because I can't go to the mall and try on 10 different styles. I like, I don't know, you know, yeah. if I'd like that boho dress or that, whatever yeah. it is, like, I don't know because I can't go to the store and just try on a bunch of different styles to see if I like that look on my body. Mm-hmm. So in order to test it, I have to like sew up a garment like that and then make a decision. And so for plus size and fat sewers, having never had that, sometimes people don't even know what their style is because they've just been going with what's been available to buy. And so that's, um, I think that's a really amazing kind of um, personal journey that people sometimes go on when they start to sew is they can really express exactly what style they want to want to wear. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one thing I've noticed in your Instagram is the range of um, patterns. Like oftentimes, um, just so people know, like Lila will make a garment and then do a photo shoot of herself um, so that you people can see what the pattern looks like um, in, I guess, the wild. Um, and there's such diversity in um, what you've made. And then you also, if I'm correct, like you will have a shirt and then you will say, okay, and then we can do this collar or this cuff or this length. And, and just so that people have that, um, choice, which I, they're not getting in the stores. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, I mean, a lot of sewing patterns, not just ours, come with different options like that. So you could have a short sleeve or a long sleeve or a collar or no collar or like whatever length you want it, that kind of thing. Um, But um, in the photographs, so I photograph myself and I make them up to be more like how I want them to be, what style I want them to be in terms of the fabric that I choose, because that affects it a lot. And then Jess, my business partner, she does the same. And we actually have quite different um, styles, definitely different color choices. And so I think that's kind of interesting because it's the same like blueprint. It's the same garment, but sewn up in a different color or a different fabric affects it so much. It almost looks like a different garment. So I think that's useful for people to be able to see see that. And then, um, you know, we use hashtags for each of our patterns so people can follow that hashtag and go in and look for the pattern sewn on, look for it on a body like their body so they can see what it's going to look like. Um, People often share what fabric they used. So you could try and like achieve, you know, if you really like that particular fabric and the way it looked on a body like yours, you could kind of try and select the same fabric and, you know, um, recreate it essentially Mm -hmm. and have more of an idea of that. And then obviously on our Instagram, our business Instagram, which is at Muna and Broad, um, then we um, try and share as many, we share all everyone's makes in the community on our stories and on our grid. 
so that people can can see what other people are making um, out of our patterns. And it's really exciting to to see that, like it, <laughs> to see somebody make something from a pattern that you made and um, beaming with pride usually is, um, it's very satisfying. It's um, as a, I don't know, as the, as a pattern maker, it's fantastic to see that. Yeah, I bet. And, and just to see the diversity of clothes that people have access to now would be cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I will say I have learned a lot about fabric that I've never thought about in my life just following you. Um, I, I am fascinated with different fabrics and your, I love how it's just so honest, like your waffle um, fabric for the house coat. You were like, I'm so disappointed. Um, and I, I love that you put that out there because I think that uh, getting into getting a pattern and making your own clothes and, and then having to choose fabric on top of it, especially right now where I think people have probably been ordering most of their fabric online and not getting to touch and feel. Um, I just, I love how your account just kind of shows all those different iterations as well as by sharing so many other things other people make. I think it's just so helpful. Well, I mean, I hope so because the other thing that we realized fairly early on is that a lot of times, because there's been such a lack of access to sewing patterns, many plus size sewists might be experienced in sewing quilts or sewing for children or for other people other than themselves. And sometimes they haven't sewn much for themselves or maybe they haven't sewn garments at all. And so um, it's like a new world to them. And yeah. so like the educational piece and making sure our instructions are really clear and we do videos to help people as well. And I guess that's where like my day job kind of comes in a bit is that, you know, um, you and I know that people learn in different ways and some people really like to have, you know, simple videos to show them how to do things and other people prefer written instructions. So having those kind of different like modes of learning is like really helpful for people to mm -hmm. um, increase their skill level. Um, I mean, personally for fabrics, I prefer natural fabrics. So that's things that are grown. So um linen, wool, silk, cotton to some extent. Um, cotton has a lot of environmental impacts in terms of how it's produced, um, but I try and avoid synthetic fabric. So I try and avoid polyester and um, acetate um, and that kind of thing and nylon um, just because it um, doesn't break down very well in the environment, doesn't biodegrade properly. And also it's like hot and uncomfortable and sweaty <laughs> and like it's basically plastic is what you're wearing. And so um, I don't find it a very pleasant fabric fabric to wear. But what that means is that the actual base fabric that I buy is often a little bit more expensive. And so some people think that, you know, getting into sewing will save you money and it can save you money, but um, on, in an absolute sense, like if I were buying clothes that are made out of the quality and the type of fabric that I like, then perhaps a pair of pants might cost three or $400 retail. And it does not cost me that much to make a pair of pants. It might cost, sometimes it might cost me a hundred dollars in fabric if I'm buying mm -hmm. really nice linen or something. And that's a lot of money for sure. Yeah. Um, I have the privilege where I can, the financial privilege where that I can afford that. Um, but I know that some people also do a lot of um, thrifting for their fabrics and they're able to, with some education, they know what's what a little bit. And, you know, if they have the time to thrift things, they can often find like great fabrics at the thrift store. 
Um, and often they tend to be a little bit older, so they do tend to be more natural fibers. Um, but if you're comparing the cost of like my $100 linen pants to H&M or fast, other fast fashion polyester pants that cost $20, no, it's not absolutely saving money. Um, so, I mean, I'm very much kind of focusing on kind of sustainable sustainability, but not everyone does. And that's totally cool too. Sometimes people just need some clothes to cover their body and that's totally, yeah. totally fine too. Um, yeah. And so you certainly can sew up, uh, you can sew in um, fabric that you find at a bargain in the fabric store too. Um, but uh, it's sometimes fun to experiment with different fabrics to see what you like to wear on your body, what feels good to you, what reacts well with like your body chemistry and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the temperature thing is so huge. Um, I just think. <laughs> um, and so not only do you have like jackets, shirts, pants, like there's patterns for underwear and bras. And I'm assuming that that's because you, there was difficulty accessing sizing for those as well. Sure. Like, um, so back before I had sewed my own underwear, I was like, who sews underwear? That seems like really like, that doesn't seem like it's even worth it because I thought that I'd found really comfortable underwear. And then I was thinking about it one day and I'm like, you know what, actually these underwear, and we're going to get a bit specific here, but <laughs> I didn't feel like the part that goes between your legs um, was really wide enough for me, mm -hmm. for my anatomy. And I was like, and why is the gusset so short? Like, you know, for me, it seems the gusset in bought underwear always seemed to like end before the business ended. Started. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know what? Like it needs to be longer and wider. And so I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I love the way every underwear. time you do something new, you're like, fine, I will do this. <laughs> fine. <laughs> With very ill grace. <laughs> Don't want to do it, but I'll do it. Anyway, so I uh, drafted up a pair of underwear and made them and, and I was like, Wow okay, now I get it. This is life-changing. I can never wear this <laughs> store-bought underwear again. It's now dead to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so now I have, and uh, when you're developing a sewing pattern, you have to make a lot of, like do a lot of experimentation to get it right for both yourself and also right for your customers. And so I have so many different pairs of like homemade <laughs> underwear now in some are like the finished pattern and some are like various kind of Franken stages of, <laughs> of experimentation. <laughs> but um, I will say that um, sewing your own underwear in terms of like game changer, it is the biggest game changer in terms of comfort. Um, not having something that you're worried about rolling underneath your belly um, if you don't want it to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having something that doesn't let. Um, your belly escape out of the leg of your underwear, like the leg opening of your underwear um, mm -hmm. is a pain point for a lot of people, me included. And um, just basically having them like cover your bum, <laughs> cup your bum. Like you want it to, to, you know, um, cover the entire expanse of it. No wedgies. So anyway, and also like the fabrics that you can, that you generally buy at the fabric store are much higher quality than things that are used in um, the fashion industry to make things like underwear. So you literally have, even if they're quite like a plain 
pair of underpants that's usually like a much more luxuriously feeling fabric and they feel much higher quality. So that's, that's a big game changer in my opinion. <laughs> I remember when you started making them, you were like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, and then with the pandemic, um, it was, we wanted to develop um, a soft bra, um, but I have big boobs and my real like pain point is my boobs touching. I don't like the way that feels. It gets sweaty in between. And so we wanted to develop like a sports bra, like a soft bra that held your boobs apart. So that required a bit of engineering, but we eventually came up with something and um, that's all I wear if I can possibly, <laughs> if I can possibly help it put an underwear bra on this morning to go to the doctor and it was not very fun. <laughs> no, I'm very small chested and I divorced myself from underwire bras probably like 20 years ago. Oh, that's such so great. I mean, I think that smaller breasted folks do tend to do that. Um, but large breasted folks, um, there's been a lot of like societal pressure on like yeah. having perky boobs um, and also to try and I think a lot of it is fat phobia in terms of like um, being fat with big boobs is seen as being acceptably fat, like societally acceptably fat because large breasts are um, often seen to be desirable, sexually desirable. Um, and then also like lifting them up um, off of your belly and kind of separating your breasts from your belly is also, I think, another kind of fat phobia vestige because um I guess it's proving to the world that they're separate that your large boobs are not part of your belly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you um and also I think um kind of those clothing dressing rules like cinching in the waist showing your showing your best parts showing your smallest parts is also very fat phobic and um oftentimes that might be right underneath the breasts um, for, um, for people. And so kind of lifting them up with a underwire bra and then cinching the waist right underneath to show that there's a small part somewhere on your body, um, is like a pretty fat phobic concept. So I think that mm -hmm. I'm glad to be getting away from that part too. Mm. Now that kind of spins nicely into, um, how has the pattern making, moved you if it has at all in a direction um you know i've noticed in the last couple of years you leaning into calling out fat phobia and weight stigma more and um even kind of just if i can say this talking a little bit differently about yourself um so i'm wondering if the pattern making has kind of pushed this to the forefront a little bit or you know um reconciled things in your brain if it has done anything at all think it actually came before that and and you are actually totally pivotal <laughs> in my um fat journey absolutely I didn't like I didn't know that there was fat positivity I didn't know that the word fat was being reclaimed I didn't know any of that stuff until you told me and so it's all because of you I'm getting teary I <laughs> know oh, it, it like really is because um as you kind of alluded to at the beginning, you know, we work in what I would say is a fat phobic industry. <laughs> um, my PhD work is in kinesiology. So that's sports science, super fat phobic. <laughs> and as a fat person moving through 
that education system, it's quite an alienating place to be. Um, and so I think that I carried that with me in addition to like just general societal and personal fat phobia into work. Um, and I certainly um, had conflated like, um, you know, the healthy fat trope <laughs> um, and all of those kinds of things. I certainly have been guilty of that um, myself and, and on, on projecting it on other people. Absolutely. And so um, I think like you kind of sowed some seeds <laughs> um, by just, and then you're like very sneaky the way you do it. <laughs> sneaky in the best way. Um, Cause you'll just like mention a couple of things. I don't know how you don't lose like your grip <laughs> sometimes because on your um, lose your grip on censoring yourself, <laughs> self-censoring yourself sometimes at work but you know um we all have to self-censor somewhat at any workplace I think but um especially given what you teach <laughs> but anyway now we have someone to share it with so we can we can have a good um let off some steam at each other sometimes yes and and just to kind of just follow up a little bit like I teach all my classes very hazel and you know I I say this is the textbook and this is what I say about the textbook and to get pushed back I think is a fairly good word for it um but kind of just keep saying and this is what I think and this is what I believe so I guess that's some of the seeds that I guess kind of fell on your area yeah yeah I mean I kind of heard what you were saying and then you know I started listening to your podcast how old is it now when did you start the podcast oh I don't know uh, I'm gonna say Three years ago? 29, yeah, I think about three years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, I, you know, was listening to your podcast um, and hearing your guests and stuff, and so then that was kind of um, informing me somewhat. And then it's when I joined, joined Instagram, <laughs> mm -hmm. when I um, became active on Instagram in 2019 and found a fat community and a fat sewing community, I learned so much in like such a small amount of time. Like I'm strongly of the opinion that your brain can like rewire itself so fast given the right conditions. So, you know, I thought that there was, that my body was weird. I thought that like, you know, um, it was not normal, all of those things. Through seeing a lot of fat bodies my size and larger and smaller but like fat bodies I realized actually <laughs> my body is completely normal for a fat body um in fact I would say it's very typical um extremely typical <laughs> and um you know the features that I thought were like um strange or difficult um, aren't difficult or strange at all. They're very typical. And um, so then when I started sewing and when I started doing sewing patterns and making sure that I was building in consideration for like a larger belly or belly overhang or um, like a soft tissue deposit over the sacrum or a rounded upper back, those things that are very, very typical 
in fat and plus size bodies. Um, you know, I think those things are really important because I think it's, it's seeing the body for what it is for, and meeting it where it's at. Like, mm-hmm. that's just your body. It's just the shape of it. But then it's funny because, um, you know, I read all, like lots of stuff online and, you know, listen to you and that kind of thing. Um, but I sometimes like don't have like the proper words or the like, <laughs> um, official terminology for things. So sometimes people said, are you fat positive or are you body neutral? I'm like, eh, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know the difference. I don't really know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway. And I think that's where you're academic brain really shines through is that I don't have a solid definition maybe for either so I don't know (laughs) yeah I don't know um I suppose you know I think we're all aware of um thin people kind of co-opting the body positive movement oh yeah from um fat people of color Mm -hmm. um and so that's really disappointing so I wouldn't ever say that I'm body positive and and actually, like, I'm not really into using that kind of terminology because, like, I never say I love my body. I don't love it. I feel nothing about it. Yeah. Um, so maybe that makes me body neutral. But I just kind of think that, like, it's just, it's the shape it is. And, like, let's make some clothes that are going to fit it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully look good. You know, um, and what, like, what I think looks good is clothes that fit well. Yeah. Um, And clothes that are too small or just clothes that are ill-fitting generally don't look good (laughs) on anybody's body. So um, I think that, um, yeah, so that's where I am. (laughs) No, and I think it's, I will say one thing um, I've learned about you is you're very curious. I've always found you just to be a very curious human. Like you ask questions and why, like, at least in my ear interactions with me, I've always thought that. So um, I often talk about people being open to kind of, you know, fat positivity or anything. And whether they're ready to kind of have those conversations. Cause you're right. You have to really call in your past and things that you've said in the past or done in the past or believed in the past to kind of get to this point. Um, and I, I, I've just always found you very curious. So I think that whether or not you were officially like technically ready, quote unquote, um, your, your curiousness definitely, I think helped. Would you agree? Um, yeah. I do think I'm a curious person. And I think like, in terms of you like kind of sowing the seeds as you would say something and then I'd kind of <laughs> let that percolate for a little bit <laughs> and then I'd maybe read something somewhere else and that would percolate but percolating doesn't take very long for me I kind of percolate quickly probably because I like like overly focus and ruminate on it <laughs> like that's all I'm thinking about and so <laughs> not like I'm thinking like an hour a day about it so I'll be thinking like 24 7 and so <laughs> So you move through the process fast. (laughs) Yeah, it like happens rapidly in terms of like real time, but there are many hours of pondering. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, like learning a lot from, um, you know, the disability community, for example, about ableism and how that relates to fat phobia and that kind of thing has been really interesting. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I am technically disabled. I don't strongly identify as disabled. 
Um, and I also don't talk about it a lot because um, I think that there are other voices that need to be amplified in the disability community. So um, I don't talk about that at all on my Instagram, um, but I try to do what I can to amplify um, the appropriate voices in the community. Um, and then, you know, I think that, I think that what we see through um, that positivity and that kind of thing in terms of sewing and in terms of the um, fat community and the fat sewing community is then just like an extension into other social justice issues um, with other marginalized groups and folks with intersections. And I think that that's a really interesting part of the community that I'm a part of on Instagram is that people are open to learning new things, open to new ideas. Um, and everyone's trying their hard, hardest to like do their best. Like we're all like yeah. trying to learn and grow and be better people. And I think that's great. And I'm really glad to be in a community of growth like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about um, able-bodied, disabled body, did you not just do a pattern for shirts um, in wheelchairs? Like for people who are in wheelchairs for shirts? Um, yeah, so actually that's probably going to, we have a t-shirt pattern and then, um, you know, the more you know, the more you know, right? Yeah. And so yeah. um, I hadn't realized that um, adaptive clothing for people with disabilities, um, for disabled people, are very uncommon. And also accessible clothing, adaptive clothing, ready to wear, so stuff you can buy in a shop, is almost non-existent for fat and plus size people. So um, kind of percolated on that for a bit and um, came up with an adaptation to our existing T-shirt pattern um, which I've sent, I sent out to three, uh, disabled people, um, to try, like I sewed up, sewed it up for them so they could try it and wear it and just give me feedback in terms of, does it work for you mm -hmm. as a disabled person? And, um, and it does <laughs> great, fortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're releasing, we, what we'll do is, um, I will take our existing pattern and we'll include that in the pattern and I'll rewrite the instructions so that, um, it's a, just another option, just another option. So in terms of like universal design and that just being just another option that um, is available in the pattern and, you know, there's nothing, it has kind of an overlapping back. And so there's nothing about it that kind of screams that it's adaptive or, um, you know, modified in any way. It's just another design um, option um okay. that I think that other people will enjoy too like non-disabled people will enjoy it just as much as disabled people so um basically what we want to do moving forward is when it's when it is possible to include um an adaptive design feature that we'll do so and we'll just include it as um just as mm -hmm. standard on our patterns it the growth from, you know, the first pattern to now is just exponential. And what exciting kind of things can we see from Wuna and Broad coming forward? Ooh, um, well, 
when you when you exist in a space where there is not nothing but not very much Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the possibilities are endless um we have a pretty strong I would say style aesthetic um so kind of I would say kind of clean architectural lines um it's not very femme um uh so it's and it's not for everyone for sure um so we can't we we don't want to be everything for everyone (laughs) um there are other options there for um for patterns that uh like have more kind of femme design features and that's great um so i think that we you know it's important that we stick to our design aesthetic um but our main kind of i guess our main thing is just like continuing to make patterns that fit large bodies well and that's really really important to us so I mean basically anything that Jess and I want to wear we have to make (laughs) so (laughs) when inspiration strikes in terms of like hey I'd really like to wear like a this whatever then we have to make it and so um but we're pretty nimble because there's just the two of us and I take care of the kind of technical side of things with pattern making, grading and writing the instructions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like um, sometimes we'll have an idea and it will think it's like so great and it will leapfrog everything else that's kind of on the docket and um, come out well ahead of something that's been on the back burner for like, we've had some things on the back burner for like a year mm-hmm. and, you know, it just keeps getting pushed back because yeah, it's like needed. Like we want to release it at some point, but more exciting things kind of take precedence. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and then we have a Patreon community. Mm-hmm. So um, Patreon is basically a platform where people can support the work you do. And so we have a really vibrant Patreon community, which is great. Um, there's a lot of discussions and we have like um, things like sewing circles, once a month virtual sewing circles. So people come in, um on zoom and then we can just chat and it's a really great kind of safe and open space where large-bodied folks can kind of talk about their sewing woes (laughs) or um just you know chat and it's a it's a really good time and and I love it because it's feels like such a safe and inclusive space where people can kind of talk about um you know just how they're feeling or um what they're sewing um, without fear of any judgment or that kind of thing so it's it's really we have that and that's that's a real highlight for me as well awesome and any um I know we're still not seeing humans in real life yet but hopefully at some point in the future is there anything coming up where you are going to be seeing humans in the sewing community that's right work. absolutely yes um so I get my second um vaccination tomorrow Thursday tomorrow yes and um so I'll be very very shortly fully vaccinated um and things in Canada are slowly starting to open up so um I've made the decision to teach just a few workshops this academic year um on so they're not for people who have never used a sewing machine but they're all beginner appropriate so for somebody who knows how to control a sewing machine basically maybe you've sewn a bag or cushion or mask, <laughs> that kind of thing, then these would be appropriate. I uh, have a confirmed workshop in Winnipeg 
um, in August and then I'll likely be going down to Washington, D.C. as long as everything continues in the right direction um, in later in the fall, like October-ish, November-ish. Um, so if you follow me on Instagram, I'll be sharing the information there. So um, my Instagram um, handle is at Leela underscore Sows, so L-E-I-L-A underscore S-E-W-S. And um, I usually just like share things there about stuff that's coming up. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to like see some people in, in real life. <laughs> it might be a bit weird at first, but um, I, you know, like I think we both enjoy teaching or we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, so true. Um, it's certainly great to, it'll be great to teach people how to sew our patterns and hopefully for it to be like an empowering experience for people to um, learn some skills make some cool clothes and um, have some good social times too um so while you're talking I'm giving I'm thinking of something that you can percolate on (laughs) I'm literally sitting here thinking how can we make a Lori and Leela show go on the road (laughs) (laughs) yes we could do something like I don't know you could do some sewing I could do some talking you could go to her. It would be fun. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. I know. Yeah. At first I didn't know what you mean, but now, now I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so a weekend of like um, haze informed, I don't know. Um, well, you know, just like <laughs> body positive in not that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Then not posi- body positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hang out. You know, the way people do like the informative workshops with like the yoga component, I find that a lot in like my work kind of thing. We could do a, like a professional with the sewing on the side and that'd be great. Oh yeah. That'd be really cool. We could go on a North American tour with (laughs) t-shirts. With t-shirts. I would go with t-shirts. You know what? Um, As long as we get to like eat delicious things on the way, I'm down for it. Yeah, we'll have oh. go to every gluten-free restaurant in North America. Okay, I just have to say this. You have the best finding recipe ability I have ever seen of a human. You're like, no, try this. And so, oh, yeah. Okay, I don't look for things. That's probably why I think this. But you're <laughs> like, those seedy crackers that you Oh, said? those seedy crackers? Oh, the seedy crackers are so good. <laughs> oh, so good. Seedy crackers, all about the seedy crackers. Mm-hmm. Although I, I have to admit that I buy a version of the seedy crackers sometimes and they're made with teff flour, the ones that I buy. Um, but the ones that I make from the recipe that I gave you, which is not my recipe, um, they use chia seeds to hold it together, which you wouldn't think could hold anything together, but it does somehow. The kind of yeah. chia mucus. Yes. <laughs> Well, and being celiac, I'll be like, Leela, I need this. And you just like, oh, I have a recipe. And you would send it. Well, do you remember? I remember when I brought the CD crackers into work and I'm like, would you like a CD cracker? And you're like, oh, no, thank you. And I'm like, (laughs) there's no gluten. And you're like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I get so excited because you have never killed me like the way other people who have offered me food have. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I I know, I you know your stuff and it makes me very excited. (laughs) (laughs) I miss seeing you in real life. Me too. So yeah, we definitely do have, I think that could be really cool though, um, to have, you know, a weekend of empowerment. 
Yes. Oh. Oh, this is so good. Okay. Yeah. So people who are listening, this is us and how we work. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I I know some other people who might want in on this too. It could be really cool. We could have a really amazing, amazing lineup. And then I want to go to Europe. Can we go over there and do this? <laughs> now that I, I'm like, I just, I want to go play. I need to see places. I am sick of yeah. my walls. You know, I think that Europe is like, I mean, I don't think that we are super far along here in terms of like um, abolishing fat phobia, but I think that Europe is further behind. I'd have I to say so. from my observations, um, especially France, <laughs> sorry, France, <laughs> but I feel like, um, just in terms of like my observations from sewing and stuff, it's way, it's not even talked about was it starting to come to the mainstream here. And it makes me feel very pleased when I see some mainstream media or um like someone who's not really in a fat community or something kind of talking about those issues then it makes me feel very pleased because I think I think we're about to see just fatness and fat phobia um kind of hit the mainstream that's what I reckon I hope so (laughs) I'm yeah I hope so you take on the clothes and I'll take on the medical community and we'll see what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Oh, Leela, you're fabulous. And I adore you and mm. talk to you all Well, time. thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Are you going to listen to yourself? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you the first podcast I was ever on that wasn't mine. Um, like I don't listen to my own either, but um, it came on while I was driving to work and just in the order and I listened to my podcast at um, one and a half or two times speed and I was like that's what I sound like because your voice gets automatically higher at the speed I was like oh I didn't realize I sounded that high and like a chipmunk (laughs) yeah I was totally like and then I really realized how different everybody's voices that I listened to if I were to meet them in person would be it was kind of that moment for me that's pretty funny. Um, I do listen back to, so I'm on, I've been on some other podcasts and um, Mm -hmm. I actually listen, mostly I listen back to those because I'm scared that I said something really ridiculous (laughs) and, um, or something that um, I don't know, I guess I'm just nervous that I said something that I didn't want to say or whatever, but um, I don't feel like that with this. Yay. That's exciting. It might also be because like, it's not like a sewing, it's always been sewing podcasts until now um, where there's like, you know, definite, like um, we didn't get too in the weeds with like technical stuff um, today. And so there's less like just saying the, something that's like incorrect, (laughs) like the way it came out just made it sound like it was just incorrect. So also I know you. In real life, so that's different. This is true. This is true. You know that I'm like, meh, I don't know. We'll just have, <laughs> we'll just have a coffee. It'll be good. <laughs> we'll be good. We will be good. All right. Well, thank you so okay. much. And we shall hopefully chat soon. Yes. Thanks, Lori. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you.